Yeah, the, the public can see the, the boardroom and the dais. Okay, why don't we just get started? Okay. All right. We... Recording in progress. Well, okay. maybe they can keep working on it while we start. Can we start with roll call? Sure. Uh, Albert? Present. Elkstrand? Yeah, Amy. Um, before we go through with roll, I just wanted to mention that Commissioner Mizell contacted us saying that he would be participating under the just cause unanticipated remote um, provision of the Brown Act. So he hopefully is with us um, and it, it's not noted on the agenda, but it is allowed for under the government code. Thank you, Matt. And Commissioner Mizell is with us. Yes, and the, uh, the just cause reason would be um, caregiving for a family member. Right, thank you. So I'll resume roll uh, with Commissioner Johnson. Present. Thank you. Uh, Kelly. Um, Commissioner Marrero will not be with us this evening. <clears throat> uh, Martinek. Present. Uh, Mizell. Here. Walker. Here. Simon Weisberg. Here. We have a quorum. Great. If we do the land acknowledgement now. The Berkeley Rent Stabilization Board recognizes that the rental housing units we regulate are built on the territory of the Huchun, the ancestral and unceded land of the Chocheno-speaking Ohlone people, the ancestors and descendants of the sovereign Verona Band of Alameda County. This land was and continues to be of great importance to all of the Ohlone tribes and descendants of the Verona Band. As we begin our meeting tonight, we acknowledge and honor the original inhabitants of Berkeley, the documented 5,000-year history of a vibrant community at the West Berkeley Shell Mound, and the Ohlone people who continue to reside in the East Bay. We recognize that Berkeley's landlords and tenants have and continue to benefit from the use and occupation of this unceded stolen land since the city of Berkeley's incorporation in 1878 and since the Rent Stabilization Board's creation in 1980. As stewards of the laws regulating rental housing, it is not only vital that we recognize the history of this land, but also recognize that the Ohlone people are present members of Berkeley and other East Bay communities today. Thank you. Um, it, does anybody want to make a motion or changes uh, to the agenda? And if not, I will accept any motions. I'll move the agenda as published. Seconds. Thank you. Okay, um, we'll now take public comment. Is there any? Oh, we, we need a roll call, Chair. Oh my gosh, yes. Sorry. Um, so so uh, moving the agenda without, or as written, Albert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly is absent. Moreau is absent. Martinak? Yes. Maisel? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries 7002. Thank you. We'll now um, move to public comment. Uh, it's uh, There's no one here in the audience. Is there anybody online? Uh, we have attendees, but no one has raised their hand yet. All right. Then we will move on to uh, special order of business. 
Um, I think I then pass this over to the GC or to, yeah, to the GC. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Um, the way we've generally done this is to take nominations. Um, anybody can nominate anybody else um, for, uh, for the position of board chair. Um, it does not require a second. Uh, uh, commissioners may nominate themselves. Um, we can take as many nominations um, as people wish. So as many people as we wish. So I'm going to open the nomination period where anybody can nominate someone else or themselves. Um, I'm going to ask for as many nominations as there are. We will then take votes on the first person nominated. Um, if that person achieves a majority, then we will stop the voting and move on to vice chair. Are there any nominations for board chair? Albert. I will nominate Commissioner Simon Weisberg. Do you accept? I do. Are there any other nominations? I'm not seeing the board. So, Amy, if you can just alert me if there's any um, raised hands, that would be terrific. Uh, no, I have no raised hands right now. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and close the nomination period. Um, Amy, if you can take a roll call on uh, Commissioner Simon Weisberg uh, for the role of board chair. Yes. Uh, Albert? Is, am I saying her name or I? I is fine. I. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Uh, Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries. Congratulations. Thanks, everybody. Um, looking forward to my last 10 months, 11 months. All right. Um, moving on to election of the Rempor Advice Chair. Um, I guess we do the same process. <laughs> right. But I mean, we're going to be taking nominations. Anyone have any nominations? Nominate Sally Alpert. Great. Thanks. Can we take a roll call vote? Yes. Um, Alpert. I did. I just want to make sure anyone else wanted to run against me, they could. Um, yes. No, I'm sorry, Vice Chair Alpert. Did you already accept? I apologize. I oh, answer. I did. I just had not unmuted myself because I was forgot. Okay. Thank you. So you voted yes. Um, Elkstrand. Yes. Uh, Johnson? Yes. Uh, Martinek? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries. Congratulations. Great. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Um, now we'll go on to, do you want to make any comments or should we just move on? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, great. All right, uh, we'll now be moving on to the consent items. I'll just read through them and then we'll go to a vote. Um, so we've got approval of the 16th regular meeting minutes, uh, resolution 2332, revising the REM board's records retention schedule. Um, did that get sent to folks? Yeah, okay. Proposal to approve staff recommendations on the following request for waivers of late registration penalties. All right, and um, 
Would anybody like to make a motion for us to vote on consent to those items? Anybody want to make a motion? So moved. Okay, thank you. Can we get a second? Second. Great. All right, we'll move to um, a roll call. I'm sorry, Chair. Was that a second by Walker or Martin? Eck? I can't. I can't see, or couldn't hear. It was Walker. Okay, thank you. So, motion to approve all consent items as written. <clears throat> Albert. Aye. Elkstrand. Yes. Johnson. Yes. Uh, Martinak. Yes. Mizell. Yes. Walker. Yes. Simon Weisberg. Yes. Motion carries seven zero zero two. Great. Okay, we're going to now move to action items. Um, and I'm just going to take another opportunity um, to see if there's any more public comment for the action items. Does anybody have their hand raised they want to speak to any of the items? Uh, thus far, no raised hands. All right, well, we'll just keep moving along then. And um, okay, so we now are going to the chair update. It's good, I guess, that I'm still the chair. <laughs> I guess I would have had an update. Um, so one thing is, is that we, so one of the first things that we're going to talk about um, is that I think people remember that we have had a demolition ordinance that we've been um, working on through the four by four. And it, we're actually in the sixth year that we've been trying to, um, you know, essentially finish the demolition ordinance. One of the main issues is that there had never been established a fee so that when, um, if somebody didn't want to do a one-for-one -one replacement on site, there was never a fee. So um, that was kind of creating a problem in how it was being enforced. Um, and then there was some updates. Um, we had several situations where the city attorney's office um, kind of gutted all of our tenant protections against kind of, a you know, using demolition to just target rent-controlled housing. Um, we worked really hard, got a great, I think, a great compromise um, through the four by four. And then um, without anybody realizing it, it was put onto the um, commission with almost a majority of subs who didn't under, understand and it it still got, it's got stuck there. Um, so that's frustrating because we kind of assumed that that would be moving forward. I believe that it's still continuing to, to move forward and the mayor has, um, you know, nobody was notified basically by the planning commission that it was going forward, including um, council and, and the mayor particularly who has been shepherding this process. So the good news is, is that um, we understand that it's going to, well, staff um, kind of went to the meeting. We didn't find out until about three o'clock in the afternoon and our um, legal staff, as well as our planner, um, Leaf, heroically went to this um, meeting. There was a subcommittee created um, and I don't know, I, I guess I like the, the, the way it is. I don't know if staff want to report back. Um, I know all of you were, went to it and I know vice chair did. You know, you know, uh, I'd be happy to let the vice chair make some comments first. I think you were engaged in a more policy oriented discussion with the members of the subgroup or subcommittee. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say that I think, um, you know, in the past, it has been a challenge to have the rent board be engaged in policy discussions. Um, and especially by planning staff, I think that they've been. We've been overlooked. And so as much as it was frustrating how the planning went at the meeting, it was actually very, um, I was very pleasantly surprised by how um, how much we were engaged with the subcommittee. 
So, um, you know, uh, Ollie was there to give legal uh, feedback and I was there to kind of help, you know, give some of the policy preferences from the board. Uh, and they accepted more or less all of what we were saying. I think there was the only area where there may be some disagreement is about um, by right demolition of single family homes, um, but uh, which, you know, not small, but everything else around tenants' rights was pretty much left intact. So um, thank you. Um, Ali, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add. No, I think um, at the pl the initial planning commission meeting, there the, a lot of those commissioners had concerned about um, how the proposed demolition ordinance defined a rental unit. And I, I think I, I recall that uh, Council Member Harrison had the a large concern about uh, an illegal or unpermitted unit being used for income for years and years and years, and then someone able to demolish it when they want to sell. Um, but but I think that that point came across to the subgroup, and so they understood the importance of how we had defined, or, or how the four by four had seen fit to define a rental unit, and so that keeps the scope of the um, uh, the 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 scope of the eligible units for this replacement process as broad as we as broad as we had wished. Great. So in, in in basically the span of a week, we had both kind of a surprise that the demolition ordinance had gone to the planning commission, um, to and then uh, we had a ZAB. Um, so for folks who don't know, ZAB stands for the Zoning Adjustment Board. So this is when people want to build something or tear something down, but they don't want to have to follow the guidelines that we have. And so they get special permission, which can be very dangerous. And historically, there's almost always been somebody from the rent board on that commission. And as a result, we have had pretty good luck at making sure things weren't, we weren't losing rent control units. Um, that has changed. It's been quite a while since anybody from the rent board has regularly sat on that um, commission. Um, recently, the vice chair was on it and there was a project that was not following one of the core pieces of our demolition ordinance, which is that any if you tear down any rent controlled unit, you have to replace it one for one. So you're going to build 54, you're tearing down an 11 unit building, you um, and they're all rent controlled, you have to replace all 11 of those plus what else you're building and that those tenants have the right to come back. And um, if those units um, that the tenant gets to come back and pay the what they were paying before, and it's it's essentially under um, rent control, which has been facilitated with some because of some good state um, changes. Now, um, but what we are seeing is that partially, you know, I believe that because our demolition ordinance is just kind of um, still working its way through the system, they were only applying state law, which doesn't that is has a different interpretation. So that just made me very concerned. And you know, if folks remember, we um, commissioned a um, a study um, specifically to look at how demolition was going to impact because uh, impact Berkeley and our rental stock because there's such a push to get by right demolition. And uh, my fear was, is that if we don't do overlays to protect that housing, that we are going to slowly have no more rent stabilized um, housing. So, I mean, our, that we did a whole study on that. And then for the last year, we really haven't had a, a process or a structure of how we are monitoring that the city is actually following what they're supposed to do. Um, 
And I think it, for me, it was very troubling to know we lost one unit and one unit may seem like nothing, but if every, you know, if between evictions and demolitions, you know, eventually everything will be, you know, it can have a huge impact very quickly. So um, I asked uh, LEAF to do a review of the last, um, I believe it was the last 12 months. Um, LEAF, if you're there, because <laughs> I guess we don't see, we can't see the screens, um, but if you could walk through the kind of your review and what, what you realized, and um, we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I've looked so after looking at all the applications, Chair, I went back to all that came in 2022 and 2023. There were two that, that came in around May. So I just included those so we could get the full picture because that's kind of all the recent activity under the, the SB 330 as it is today. Um, so I do have a PowerPoint. I don't, will you be able to see it if I pull it up? Okay. Yeah, I just moved one of the screens. Can everybody see that? Yeah, we're good. We can see it now. Okay, let me pull it up. Ooh. It's special powers. Bit of an angle, but sensor. Yeah. Okay, can you all see that? Yes. Okay. So just the title. So I'm going to go basically go through each of these, a summary of the total kind of impact of each of these applications. So this first table breaks it down by where, so there's 10 applications between um, May, 2022 and this year that came in. Um, this, this breaks it down by the number of projects in each category. We have what's been approved by ZAP, including that most recent application you just spoke about, Chair. Um, there's two that have application complete, meaning planning satisfied that they've got them all the information that they need to take it to ZAB, but they, they have not yet gone to public hearing or even been scheduled yet. Then we have two under review and two that are in preliminary application, and I'll, I'll go into exactly what that means later, but a total of 10. So on the ZAB approved projects, you see, well, we have a total of 30 existing units, um, 13 of which were tenant occupied when they came to the rent board staff for review. And those projects are proposing 24 BMR units. So due to um, planning's application of state law, they're, they're, those result um, in a loss of six units if you're going one rent control to one BMR. We're going one, we're going 30 rent control to 20 BMR and with six market rate replacement units in those projects as proposed. And then the app complete, we're, we're two under. And then the under review, um, there's one really large project that's creating extra BMR units as part of density bonus. Um, so that would, th those other categories will result in a net gain. So overall, despite the fact that some recent or approved projects that have just gone through ZAB and two that are underway, um, if all these projects go through, we would get 27 more BMR units. Um, so, so any questions on this before I move to the next slide? Yeah, I, I think we have some questions. Okay, so let me just understand. So um, we don't know, like when they approve, when these, the projects that have been approved, when they were proposed, do you know how many, um, it would be good to know like 
the initial um, proposal because my concern is where they're negative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while these other ones at the pre-application stage may say we're going to do these additional things, but I think it'd be important to know, like, how, in which direction did the process go? Did we get fewer or more by going through the process? So are we losing as they go through? Um, and is that because they've gotten, they've become aware that the city's not enforcing? Yeah. Um, and then I think the other question, I just want to point out, you know, to my colleagues that we're looking at there were, if if this just goes as it is, let's say that they um, do what they are saying at the review stage and the pre-application stage, um, we've got 79 existing units that are all going to be demolished, right? That, that 79, um, so I'm at, you know, we, we could be thinking 100 units a year. Um, is that what we're looking at as this grows? And then, so they're tenant occupied. So that means that they did things to empty that unit, right? I mean, we don't yes. do anything about oh. those. I mean, 30 to 13 is pretty significant. Yeah. I, uh, some of these still have tenants in them. I mean, some of them have, have been, one at one project have been vacant for a while, so no tenants. And some that are still in the complete, the tenants are still there. We're, we're hearing from the tenants. So only the only project that I that we've confirmed is one of the approved ones where all the tenants have moved out and we've reached out to each of them. Um, so I, I'll go into that later on another slide. Um, but the question you had is how is planning pushing them? I know when they receive when, when they're done with the preliminary application, they do get the note. If you don't know the tenant's income, then we'll use these this HUD calculation, which gets the result where some of those units are replaced with um, market rate because it looks at the entirety of Berkeley, what are the income levels of tenants, and basically tries to copy that um, that pattern that currently exists in Berkeley looking back a few years ago and, and required the, that income level for the replacement units. So that's why we're getting um, less than one for one BMR replacement because of that calculation. Um, but I'll have to go back and look at each preliminary application as it came in, how much they were proposing on those ones that have approved and and see how it changed over. I didn't look from the beginning, just kind of where they ended for this analysis. Sure. And I think one of the things that is concerning, and I, I, I believe some of my colleagues have questions, is that if, if you've got a city like Berkeley that is gentrifying, right, and that rent stabilization is one of the few policies we have that, that are keeping long-term tenants here, um, that if they get replaced, they actually are going to be higher rents. It it, it really undermines the whole concept. Um, so I think one of the things we also have to look at is that we need to find a way for landlords to have to report or, or tenants to share with us their income um, way ahead of time so that we're not relying on kind of the distorted amount of rent, you know, because that really is going to lead to us having higher rents or no BMRs or not no, but it, it's going to undermine it. Uh, vice chair um do you so of the 10 projects um and i'm assuming all 79 existing units those are all rent controlled yeah of the of the 10 projects how many projects are replacing fewer units than they're demolishing perfect segue into my next slide there we go do we have any let's see if we have any more questions on this okay. slide. yeah Question for this slide. Okay, go. 
Okay, I can go ahead. Yeah, can folks online, since we can't see whether you just speak, oh. For folks online, if um, you want to speak, just jump in because I can't see you. All right, um, go ahead, Leif. Okay, so to answer Vice Chair Alpert's question, this slide really looks at those projects are doing less than one-to-one, -one, a little more, and you see the there's three in the, the, that the ZAB have approved, including the one on Dwight that recently was approved by the ZAB. Those are contributing 10 um, less BMR units than rent controlled units. And then the other is a project on Ellsworth Street where there are currently tenants and they are proposing three less units than the 13 um, rent controlled units that currently exist. And and so this is the the universe that you're looking at is just the projects that are currently in the ZAB pipeline, right? And so going, well, going before ZAB to those that have the, the preliminary preliminary um, SB three thirty application. So in terms of projects that already got approval by ZAB and were mm -hmm. and are now being constructed, this doesn't look at those. It does under current, yeah. I, under this current, um, I'd have to go back to see if there was any in 2020 that came in because I was just looking back to 2020 or sorry, in 2021. Um, but there of these, there's only one that's approaching construction has applied for building permits, but none of these have reached the construction stage. And we would know about all of them because if they want to demolish anything, they have to go to ZAP currently. Yeah. And they normally include REM board in the review because there's certain findings they have to make about eviction. They need to know if it's a protected unit, aka is it under rent control. So we are we are normally routed all these applications and um, and we suggest conditions um, that protect the that basically apply the law as it is to protect the tenants regarding moving expenses, right to return. We, we help planning draft those conditions of approval um, so that they are enforceable. Gotcha. Okay, well, thank you. That, the, yeah, this is more comprehensive than I had initially realized. I'm pretty confused. I also just want to make sure everybody understands the four different categories. So when a project starts, you start with a pre-application stage. Then you move to the review stage. Then they consider the application complete. And then you go to ZAB. So essentially, the, the things that are starting in the pipeline are the, the units in the pre-application. And then the ZAB ones are approved. So the ZAB approved ones, it's almost too late. We can't do anything. We can do a lot when things are in the pre-application or under review or even application complete stage. Um, and so this is why it's important for us to you know, be monitoring this early so we can intervene when we see these projects where we're losing units. What is the, or is the next slide the one with orange at the top? Oh, can you see that? Yeah, that is the next slide. Okay, that's, that's fine. I just was like, I really can't read it. Okay. Um, any questions? Yet? We, well, he's going to, he yeah, tells me. Uh, oh, okay. I, I don't understand rent control versus. Dita, your mic. Below, oh, sorry. So. Below market rate versus rent controlled. Aren't they both below market rate? Or so, does that um, 
rent control units refers to being under our regulated by our ordinance and BMRs are where it's just, uh, it's like affordable housing. That's what BMR means. It's, it's not rent controlled. Hmm. It just, I mean, in some ways it's better, but it's income um, based. Okay. And part of what we were trying to do with the demolition ordinance is we were trying to create a regime that basically for units that get demolished, when we talk about that one-for-one replacement, that essentially when they're rebuilt, that they have all the good of rent stabilization, plus some of the good things about BMRs, like BMRs, they can control the initial price, right? As low as 30 to 50, you know, percent of AMI. Um, But, and we've kind of created a, a something close to because we've done, there are different policies that are coming together to do that. Mm-hmm. But if they're not even replacing them, then it's a lose-lose, right? right. So we, we've created this new regime, but only works if they replace everything one for one. Yeah. And just, just to add, I think part of what's missing here is that, you know, there's a state law that was passed, SB 330, that was, you know, I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but seems very clearly to suggest that, it, you know, this is a state law that was aimed at incentivizing construction. Most of it was about, you know, we need new development. But part of the law said, if you're going to demolish rent control housing or, or BMR, you know, deed restricted affordable housing, you need to replace it with rent control or affordable housing one for one. But somehow that's not happening, even though this is this law is in effect. And so, you know, part of the reason this happened is I served on VAB as an alternate um, and when one of these projects was heard and I was like, why is this, it's eight units being demolished, seven units being replaced. Why is there one missing? And so, you know, a lot of people in conversation about this law had just kind of been assuming that it was one for one. That's what the law says, kind of plain reading, but that's not what's happening. And and part of it is because there, we haven't implemented the new demolition ordinance. And then the other piece is that, so it says one for one, unless you pay a fee, but there's no fee set. And so the other thing is Zab has the discretion to, you know, they're like, they're the ones who give permission to do something that's not just the letter of the law. And, you know, in some ways that's good. Like sometimes they're like, I just need an extra foot. (laughs) Is it okay if I do this and just give me an extra foot? Um, But this is not the point of all of these laws that we've done to put together. And I think also, before they would always automatically do it because they knew we, w- we would be able to stall the project if they didn't follow it. And the thing is, we don't even know about it. And there's so many projects now. Um, anyway, did... Leaf, I'll let you get back because I know we have a lot. And I, I said yeah. I was going to move us through this. So no uh, enforcement mechanism has been put in place. Well, no, because planning doesn't care. And we haven't. I mean, this is part we have, um, I mean, planning doesn't want us to do one for one. They don't like, it doesn't seem like they like stabilization. Um, but we, we didn't, we weren't clear with, there's never been a policy that staff was supposed to do. Our staff was supposed to do anything else than, um, when they received questions from planning that they would answer them. Like, is there a record of eviction? Cause you're not supposed to be able to demolish a property where there's been harassment and that's why it's empty. And so what I want us to do is first look at this, and then I would like us as a board to move that this is an addition, this is our expectation is that staff are looking at that and that um, that the chair, whoever the chair is at the time, is informed of these things so that um, we just make sure that we can go out into the community and whether it's meeting with the developer and saying, look, you know, please do the one for one or, or bringing it to the council's attention. 
that this is happening. Hopefully we still have a majority that cares. So, all right, okay. uh, back to you. Okay. So just this goes over some of the things we've mentioned already, but the, the project at 2538 Durant is the closest construction. Um, there were eight tenants when the application came in. All the tenants have since moved out. Only one tenant reached out to the rent board after receiving our correspondence about their rights to um, confirm what their rights are. They were referred to EBCLC and, and they were a student. So they eventually um, were, were able to negotiate with the owner to temporarily relocate to another unit in a different building so they could finish out um, their the school, the school, the, sorry, the semester they had left and graduate, but they did not intend to take advantage of moving back into the new building. Um, and, and just in the other projects, we've talked to three long-term tenants who are interested in, in taking advantage of all their rights, um, getting temporary temporary relocation and potentially moving back to the new building. Um, and that's for the Dwight project? So there's there's a Hayes project that's been approved for a while, but had some financing issues, so it was kind of on a hold. That was one that had eight legal units, but they were carved into two, so they're being, being rented as two different, basically individual bedrooms with shared kitchen. Um, so there's two tenants there, and then the other tenant is in, in the Ellsworth project that is complete, but um, has not yet gone to that. Um, and then, so we've we've um, discussed with planning on what we would ask for for these tenants, and basic and what the requirement is going to be is a signed reloc temporary relocation agreement signed by both the owner and the tenants in order for um, those projects to, to receive their building permit. And we are working with planning on improving tenant, not tenant notification so tenants can learn of their rights as early in the process as possible. So we have some proposals on the table and I will come back to the board once um, these once the improvements are agreed upon and in place. Um, I think I would like, I mean, um, the committee chair, and I, that reminds me that folks need to let me know if you want to be on different committees than you are um, for next year. But um, I would, I think it would be um, important to to bring like in detail um, to the, maybe to the Lyra, kind of what the proposals are, because I, I feel like that's something we should, should be a little bit more transparent policy, no? Or process? Because you were saying that you were going to is it policies you're doing or just for these individual tenants that you're negotiating? Basically, well, I, mean, I can go into more detail what we're proposing and hasn't been agreed is to have a notice that that planning staff on the rent board with legal advice have drafted that go over all the rights be a requirement. So one of the requirements in the demo ordinance is upon prior to application, you have to notice all the tenants that you are applying to demolish the building and their rights under the rent stabilization ordinance. So we we would like to include also in that note, notice requirement the specific rights under the demolition ordinance SB 330 um, to have that required and part of the application packet. So I presented that to planning and they 
our, we have this notice already, so we can just send it out to whatever tenants have a demolition application or are concerned about it and just want to know their rights because sometimes they hear in advance, oh, my, my owner's considering it. But they have asked us to put um, some more information on that so it could have the address of the project, a description of the project, and basically take care of that requirement. So that's one of the other things, that's one of the things we're working on. And the other is for them to notify us immediately upon preliminary application so we can send out a letter once, as soon as the pre-app comes in, which would be the earliest we would know about it. So those are the two things that I've been talking to them about. It seems that that's the ideal time to capture all the tenants' um, income information. So is it possible for them to require, I don't know, I, I, I know it's people are sensitive about asking private information from people, but it does seem like so much of what additional protections we can put in place are dependent on having actual rents. I mean, not rents, incomes. Yeah, they planning have been hesitant to get involved in the tenant's income. And the one or two times they've asked it from the owner, the owner's been like, that's private information that we can't ask for or share. So that's that that seems like a hurdle to me. And but I agree with you. If we could get it in that level, or if there could be some agreement that the rent board could ask for it, um, similar to how we do for other things and keep it private. You know, maybe the tenants wouldn't want the owner to know, for example. I, I think that stuff needs to be talked through, but that would be a big opportunity. Yeah, I would, I'd like that to, if maybe you can discuss that with legal with some options um, to come back with us. It, it does seem like we could create some situation where tenants, it, it can still be their, um, you know, choice. But maybe if people understand why it's important to share that people will do it. Okay. So I, I think the next two, I have two more slides. I mean, this just repeats all the policy stuff. The main thing with the current demolition ordinance is the mitigation fee was never set. The exact affordability of the, re the replacement units was never set by council. SB 330 came in in um, 2020 as everybody was saying, that protects low-income units or rent-controlled units as protected units. Um, but one of the things that changed when they moved things around to streamline line it, um, I believe after SB 8, is they put these requirements in the, um, what is it called, the density bonus section. And that has a section where if incomes are unknown for, I, for either the most recent tenant or the current tenants, then they go to this HUD's Comprehensive Housing Affordable Strategy database that they refer to as CHAS, and that's where they get these calculations, which, which ends up in that law, planning told me, anything above 80% AMI, when it should be like um, moderate income, they, they are not required to replace those. So anything that calculates above 80% is replaced by a market rate unit. And that's what's resulting in the, the seven low-income units and one market rate, for example, in the Dwight project. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. This is so helpful. Did you have more? Um, just basically to propose what you've been saying, you know, we're going to, when these come in, we can inform the board as soon as the preliminary dev app comes in. At that point, they're supposed to tell in that 
preliminary application, how many um, dwelling units they're proposing for demolition and how many BMR units they are proposing in their development. So that's when we could afford the board of any application and get a sense if they're proposing one to one or not. Um, we're already reviewing the applications and but but one thing, you know, we can do it with an eye to one for one, but also, you know, follow follow the applications from preliminary all the way to lab approval. So we're willing to commit to going to each SAB meeting where there's a demolition project involving a um, residential unit or a rent controlled unit. Um, and then as you said, we're also monitoring the proposed, proposed revisions, which are scheduled to come back to the planning commission um, in February. Great. Um, I, I guess I would like, and then no, no, keep going. Oh, just, so this was a to be delivered item, which was emailed to the board tonight. As part of that, there's an attachment to a report, which I'm summarizing in this presentation and has a breakdown of each project, um, each of those 10 projects and goes into detail on the address, what they're proposing, how many BMR units. So that, that will every commissioner will find in their email. And that was the end of my presentation. Great, thank you so much. Um, I can't say this is happy um, <laughs> news, news, but I think really important um, information that we can act on, yeah. Yeah, and I just wanted to say, you know, I think that there's two, when we talk about demolition, there's two different concerns. There's the rights of the tenants in the buildings. And I think the board and, you know, as the board as an agency has done a really excellent job of making sure we're protecting that, uh, that tenants have the right of return, that they get you know any relocation, they're owed all those things. And I think where we have not been as effective is on the rights of our community to the unit, the affordability. There's the rights of the individual, and then there's the community benefit of having affordability. And I'm really glad that we're going to be doing a more robust job of making sure that second piece is taken care of. Um, I, I think also just I would like to kind of have a standing um, item. Uh, in the agenda to get any updates on anything that's moved through just so we can really just stay on top of this. Um, so I don't know if that's just, I guess something we'll, when we're setting the agenda, we can check in with you leaf to see if there's anything this month that needs to be, you need to know about. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, we can update with you as things get complete and move basically as they move through the planning project process, pardon me, we can update the board. Great. Um, unless there is anything else, is there anything that, um, Director Williams, is there anything you feel like you need us to take an action on or regarding this item? I was going to ask you, do you want to keep the standing item under your chair updates or you want to move it like similarly to the report under the eviction moratorium? I'd like it to just be a regular, like the eviction moratorium. So if you move it that way, then you would never be able to take any action just in case to you just keep that on consideration. Well, unless they unless they voted to make it bump it up to action, which the board could do at a new meeting, I believe. Understood. But just if you leave it where it is, you wouldn't have to. Yeah. Um does anybody have an opinion? Um, I mean, I guess the thing is, is that if 
the reason I kind of want it as a standing action, the way the eviction moratorium is then is just assumed that we get a report that's undermined, then I have to make sure it happens. Um, you know, do we, uh, I'm sorry, go, go. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, do we want to maybe just put it on the information calendar? And if we ever need to take action on something, we can. Yeah. I, yeah. That's for, that's for information. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we'll, we'll do that. And if it's not working, we can, um, change it. All right. Um, thank you again, Leif. Extraordinary work in a very, very short time. Um, and I'm I'm hoping that by I don't know I'm a big fan of monitoring things that you can then make a difference. So um, I did want to um, see if we could send that report to the um, council members that are on the four by four. Great, thank you. All right, um, if no one has any objections, I'm going to move us. Um, I, let's just start with the four by four and can go from there. Um, so anyway, the other update is just that five ballot measures were filed um, with great assistance from the um, the vice chair. Um, a ballot measure was filed uh, for the Marin City of Larkspur, um, Redwood City, which is in San Mateo, uh, San, um, San Pablo and Pittsburgh, which are both towns in Contra Costa, and then uh, in Delano, California, which will be the first city in the Central Valley. What do the ballot measures do? The ballot measures <laughs> um, will pass rent stabilization um, with 60% of CPI or um, 3 or 5% cap, depending on what those communities uh, wanted to do. Um, there's, I mean, it's very similar to kind of the uh, Richmond Berkeley strategies in terms of there being, um, you can't raise the rent for, like as an individual adjustment without going through a petition process. And then it's the factor, same similar factors that we have in the, um, well, our ordinance, but it's all, but in Richmond's ordinance. Um, and that capital improvements are not a separate, there's no kind of automatics. It's all a factor test. And for the reasonable return, uh, just cause ordinance, um, that I think is similar to our, our potentially future ballot measure or similar to Oakland's. There's also the same um, right to uh, organize, which we'll be talking about in a minute, um, that exists in San Francisco, and there's an anti-harassment ordinance. Um, and then anyway, it's, you know, it'll be this, these five will be the strongest in the state. The exception is most of them are general law cities, so they can't have elected rent boards. So they just have, um, you know, programs similar to San Francisco's and um, Oakland. So because that's all you can do with the general law city. Um, anything else you want to? Just that this is being done by the California Center for Movement Legal Services. I felt like that was an important, important uh, bit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's the new organization that I'm now the, that where I used to work has now transformed into. Um, no one could hear what I said. No. <laughs> We're just having our own conversation. It's the California Center for Movement Legal Services. There you go. Anyway. Okay. So uh, moving on to recommendation to adopt resolution 2333, establishing the 2024 regular rent board meeting schedule. And that says to be delivered as well. Was that emailed to us? Yes, it was sent to you a little after one o'clock this afternoon. 
I can pull up the dates on the screen if that would be helpful for commissioners. The proposed meeting date. So this just for the newer board members, this follows the same procedure unless the board is proposing to change their regular meeting schedule date, which um, uh, which is actually codified in a contract with BUSD. Um, I have identified the third Thursday of every month for 2024. And this is when commissioners have an opportunity to look at those dates and state for the record if they know of any meetings in 2024 that they will definitely not be able to attend. And by stating that today or within three days of the board's action on this, um, there would be no penalty for missing those meetings. We don't see anything on the screen. Oh, sorry. I was asking if you wanted me to display it on the screen. I didn't hear a response. So, oh, yeah. No, I, yes. I just thought... to make it easier. Um, okay. Let me just shrink this. Can everyone see that? Um, hang on. Let me make it a little bit bigger. Okay. Can everyone? I've just identified the parts of the report that have the uh, proposed meeting dates. Can everyone see those? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start. I'm not going to be here for the 18th, the July 18th or the August 15th. July 18th or August 15th. Uh, anybody else want to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I won't be able to make it June 20th. June 20th, and that was Commissioner Walker, June 20th, okay. Anybody else? Everyone else available? All right, thank you. Oh, sorry, Chair. Um, oh, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, high likelihood I, I won't be there July 18th. July 18th? Okay. People are also allowed to come even if they thought they weren't, so. Right. Everyone should feel free to <clears throat> it's likely. Well, you're not allowed to do that, but okay. Um, I'm gonna have um, a Commissioner spot. Commissioner Johnson. I'm sorry, I just want to because I can't see the the um I can't see if he's raising his hand. Commissioner Johnson, are, are there any dates that you know of now that you? No, I don't really have that much planned out that far in advance anyway, <laughs> so I just don't think I would know. <laughs> and I, speaking of that, I just want to state for the record, this doesn't change the board standing attendance policy that you know each of you have. There are two meetings that you can miss without, you don't have to notify um, staff, although it is helpful to know if you're not going to be there to make sure that we have a quorum, especially for an evening such as this. Um, but there are still two meetings per year um, that are not subject. They have nothing to do with the just cause or emergency provision that you can miss without any uh, stipend deduction. Great. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Um, we're going to move to the next item, which is recommendation. Well, actually you have oh, to adopt sorry, we, you have to adopt this and that's to um, approve the resolution um, that was attached to the item and that's just codifying these dates as well as um as well as uh, confirming that our future meetings will still take place in the BUSD boardroom until um unless and or until that's changed i'll move adoption of the item okay seconds thank you all right can we do a roll call yes um <clears throat> commissioner alpert aye Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Uh, Martinek? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? 
Yes. Simon Weisberg. Yes. Excellent. So uh, the resolution will carry as written. Thank you. So um, the next item is a recommendation to adopt resolution 2334 authorizing the executive director or the chair in consultation with each other to appeal decisions of the zoning adjustment board or any zoning officer decision that allows for elimination of any residential rental units that are covered by rent stabilization or just cause for eviction. Um, so I'm going to ask the general counsel to give a little bit more detail, but I just want to, just in terms of giving the broader picture, um, when I was talking about the demolitions and what's happening in front of the Zoning Adjustment Board, this project that um, Vice Chair Alpert was on where we're losing one of the units, um, when that happens, the you can appeal it, um, and that requires... Um, that we would have to pay right now it's a $1,500 fee and you actually literally have to do the appeal, but that can be, you know, a page, you know, it's, it's not actually a very in-depth um, document. And then it's taken to um, council. Um, there's an alternative um, process that can happen that can be, they actually be taken by a city council person um, that's called a certification. Um, and in that project, it looks like um, Council Member Harrison is going to do the certification um, process, which is great. It is a, um, a project in her um, district. Now, um, but if that wasn't the case and the only way to try and create the opportunity to ensure that we keep the full number of units, um, we could have filed a appeal. It looks unlikely we're gonna do that in this case because there's an, another essentially appeal process that is going to be done. But we wanna make sure that we have the ability to do that and we need the court, I mean, the um, the board's uh, support. Um, does uh, Director Williams or General Counsel want to add more to that? The only thing that I wanna add is there was a resolution already in the books addressing this, and this just adds another um, person such as yourself or our designee the ability to represent the rent board in these appeals. Okay. Yeah, and the only very small um, thing that I'll add is that this resolution expands the role of the board um, in this matter. The other one just authorized um, the chair and the executive director cons to consult with each other and the, for the executive director to appeal. This makes it clear that the executive director or the chair are appealing on behalf of all the rent board commissioners. Um, it also makes clear um, that the board budget will cover the expenses um, of the appeal, um, including the fees and any staff time um, from um, legal planning or finance um, to help uh, 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 represent the appellants. Great. I was just asking if um, what we expect in terms of certification. Yeah. Um, so staff recently got back to uh, us with some dates specifically in terms of what when things are um, due, and there's a tolling of time because of the council recess. Is my understanding, and so um, um, I'm I'm in conversation with Councilmember Harrison's office, and we're hoping to meet with the developer. And, you know, certification is hopefully is she's definitely willing to do it, and it is an option if the developer isn't willing to do it voluntarily. But is her office um, 
going to be drafting it. We don't have, we don't. The, with certification, there is no drafting. So the, it's unlike an appeal. One of the differences is the council member just has to say, I want there to be a public hearing on this. They don't have to state a reason. Okay. No. Great. Anything else you want to add or? No. Okay. Um, can I get a, a motion to adopt this recommendation? Actually, I had a couple of comments. Oh, yeah, of course. First, um, yeah, I mean, I I appreciate the the need to um, you know take action to um, you know protect our rent uh, control housing, um, but I, you know I, I do have a couple of concerns about taking this action. Um, you know, as we had talked about during the the militia ordinance discussion, uh, you know, there is a lot of work that we are you know pursuing to you know prevent this kind of stuff from happening in the future. I think there's been some you know one of the issues you know just as a case example um, um, earlier this year when the uh, ZAB approved a, a project on Oxford Street, um, there was six rent controlled units, but you know they were decided based on you know the, their interpretation of the militia ordinance that because they were Ellis Act over five years ago, they're no longer considered protected. I think the work that we're doing on the demolition ordinance will help clarify that. And I think, you know, by by having stronger connections between the rent board and planning, I feel like we will be able to resolve that without taking this option. I, I'm just a bit worried about effectively relinquishing my consent to, um, you know, so I, I'm just a bit concerned about that. And uh, so I know those are my, my comments on, on that. So I do, um, just to be clear, it, it's much more about, well, I want to say use the example of standing, but it's like allowing that we, because when you do these things, a, a person has to be attached to it and to clarify that it's, it's on our behalf. So um, I think it's fine if we want to say that it needs to come before the board that we all vote to say that we are doing it. Is that what your, your concern is? Because we actually have the ability to do it. I mean, um, right now, um, uh, Director Williams could do it. It's just that it's this awkward thing of like, so she's doing it in her personal, almost, it, it's not written in a way that clarifies that if she were to do it, it's not in her personal capacity. It's that she's doing it on yeah. our behalf. Yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer that we are able, that we get the consent of the, the rent board to do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any concerns about that. I mean, meaning like we can add that if it's not already clear, but J maybe the general counsel is the clarification. The reason that it was originally written to give the executive director um, consent is because um, appeals are due 14 days from the notice, notice of decision. And sometimes that can fall in between a time when the board would be able to formally take action. Um, so uh, this just expands it to say the the executive director or the board chair. But if we if we tie it directly to board action, there would be a possibility um, that you would uh, uh, not be able to appeal things that come due before the board meets. Yeah, I, I understand that point. Thanks. Um, Commissioner, uh, Vice uh, Yeah, no, I appreciate um, the point that uh, Commissioner Elkstrand raised and also what, you know, uh, Matt, what you said about having it be between. And currently, it can be done without the board's consent and, or without the board's authorization. And I think I agree with both points. And so was wondering if we could add something that said basically if it, if the appeal is going to happen before the board can take action, 
that the either the executive director or the chair can do it, but that it has to come to the next board meeting for us to review. Because that you know, in that case, if the if a if a rogue chair decided to appeal a project and the board didn't want to do that, they could withdraw the appeal at the next meeting. But that if it didn't come in that fourteen you know that fourteen day window didn't overlap with a board meeting, it, we would still be able to appeal on a project. So just any any time that it couldn't, any time the fourteen day window didn't happen during the the meeting, it would come on the next agenda for authorization. I'm happy to include language in the res resolution to that effect, if you like, or to, uh, just whatever direction the board gives. Um, uh, Commissioner Elshin, does that um, feel like that it, that creates a little bit more accountability? So what we're saying is that you, know, you can go that, but it needs to be ratified by the full board. And if it's not ratified, then it can be pulled, correct? Yeah, because we could dismiss it by withdrawing. Yeah, withdrawing it, yeah. I mean, so that, that at least creates yeah, that I, the chair would know. I mean, it's kind of like when yeah. you we do commit. I mean, there's different things that the chair kind of can do, but then you all can ratify or undo. I, I think that's acceptable. Okay. And I I mean, at least the the intention here, and it's because of that time frame is why we're trying to do that as as the general counsel. But yeah, I think it's, you know, I mean, uh, this I think should not be done lightly. It should not be done, you know, it should only be when there seems to be you know, a loss of, you know, they're not following the law, you know, and not, you know, obviously we, it would be a big problem if we're just randomly doing, but. Um, so would we uh, like make, um, do we need to make an amendment um, with that language? Yeah, I was just going to say, I have the concept. If you'd like to give me the exact wording, that's fine. Otherwise you can trust me to um, essentially put in that um, there's going to be another be it resolved clause. It's going to say that immediate the 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 full board meeting immediately following an appeal being filed shall be brought to um, the board meeting, um, uh, and that the board shall have the ability to vote to withdraw um, mm -hmm. the appeal filed on behalf of the board. Yeah. I'll, I'll trust you on that. <laughs> okay. I mean, I haven't fully worked it out, but it's something uh, of that nature. Okay. I'll write that tomorrow. And thanks. I, I believe there was also the, what Soli mentioned, the, it's like a two prong thing. If, if, if the appeal deadline falls in time for the rent board to act on, um, then we act on it. But if it doesn't, then we act after the fact with a withdrawal or not. I can include that language as well. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, it's a big, you know, it's a big deal. And I don't think we're trying, I mean, that's why we work so hard on the demolition ordinance is try and create the best of both worlds so that we just, we get more affordable housing, but not at the expense of affordable housing we already have. And um, yeah, and we want, you know, we want developers to say, okay, I do one for one. And then you don't have to like, and, it, and we only use this when we have to. So that's my hope. <laughs> and yeah, I hope this never, I mean, we haven't had to use it, but I, you know, I think now that we see the numbers, you know, there are many projects in the past we would have, and now hopefully we will be paying attention, you know, as, as, an, as electeds, and we can then go to these hearings and say, you know, and, and we can affirmatively meet with the developers and say, look, great, you're building more, or well, at least from my perspective, we need more affordability you know, you've got to do this one for one or, or <laughs> the community is not going to be happy. So great. I think we've resolved that. Great. Good, good. Uh, 
working together to make things better. Great. Okay, then I think we need to take a vote. Um, can I take a motion to to adopt the recommendation with uh, the as amended? Um, as amended. Yeah, as amended uh, I'll go ahead and, and move that. Great. Thank you. Second. I'll second. Thank you. Uh, roll call. So motion to adopt resolution 2334 as amended this evening. <clears throat> Albert. Aye. Elkstrand. Yes. Johnson. Yes. Martinak. Yes. Mizell. Yes. Walker. Yes. Simon Weisberg. Yes. Motion carries 7002. Great. We're now going to move on to discussion and possible action to request that 4 by 4 committee recommend that council place various rent ordinance amendments on the November 2024 general election. So um, this is a little bit of a meteor topic. Um, it, do we, I think we are still going to be passed out the paper versions. I would um, sure. I, I mean, is that going to be distracting? Um, we, we prepared a high level. There is a, um, um, the version in your packet, um, which already exists, did you want us to, to pass out the updated version? I wanted everyone to have a paper version because okay. I think a lot of people don't read. I mean, this stuff is hard to read and our ordinance is hard to read. Um, and so I want people to have a paper one. You know, I will ask people to pay attention to the presentation so you understand <laughs> it. But I don't know, having... But been working with all these different measures. So is, is there any differences between what's in the packet and here? There are differences. Okay. And I take a walk, we'll go over those. Right yeah. Next. And this is the updated, this is the most up-to-date, right? Yes, it's correct here. That reflects okay. the changes we spoke about, but in the legal unit hasn't had a chance to discuss those as a whole. So that's, I think we okay. start, I think we start the conversation by saying this is a working document. So it continues yeah. to work, I suppose. All right, it's all yours. Uh, thank you. Um, Amy, would you pull up the PowerPoint for the um, ordinance amendments? Okay, commissioners, I believe you can see it on the screen now. All righty. Um, so what you have before you in the in the packet and then uh, the most recent iteration um, before you right now um, are a set of proposed amendments that the ad hoc uh, committee has been working very hard on um, in order to propose for the November 2024 general election ballot. Hopefully you've had a chance to review um, what was in the um, agenda packet um, and uh what Ollie has handed out tonight is uh, our very, you know, our, our more minor changes. Um, I think what the committee is looking for, and I'll look for direction from the committee. I know committee chair Johnson is remote, um, but uh, I believe what the committee uh, asked for direction on tonight was um, to forward uh, the concepts that you want the four by four committee to consider for inclusion on the 2024 ballot. Uh, you can go to the next slide, please. Next slide, please, Amy. Thank you. Um, so 
The uh, committee um, definitely had some ambitious um, um, proposals. Um, we have a, a, a number of different sections of the ordinance that have been proposed to be um, amended. As everybody here knows, um, the ordinance can only be amended by the voters uh, of Berkeley. It was uh, a voter adopted initiative to begin with, and it remains um, uh, only uh, uh, amendable by the, the citizens of Berkeley. Um, so these are always placed on a general election ballot in an even year, um, generally on vote by council to be placed uh, for inclusion on in the ballot, although you could do signature gathering um, for private proponents. Um, the chair uh, created an ad hoc committee, as you know. The primary categories that these fall under uh, are exemptions or applicability, as we call it, uh, registration, evictions, tenant's right to organize, non-substantive changes and readability updates, and mis miscellaneous substantive changes. We're going to review all of these on the next slides. I'm going to take um, these two slides in the next one, and Hannah will take the three after that, and Ollie will, will take us home within the last two. Um, Amy, if you can do the next slide, please. Uh, so, um, we really overhauled this section of the ordinance, which is basically the applicability section of the ordinance. Um, we, uh, uh, the committee proposed to remove some obsolete exemptions like the theological union, um, exemption, which had very limited applicability, um, a very long time ago and has either none or almost none, um, at this point, um, there was obviously a very substantive proposal made to remove the golden duplex exemption. Um, we, we, we did prepare this as a very high level um, overview. Uh, all of this, all of these changes were in your packet um, as far as uh, proposed amendments. Uh, removing the golden duplex exemption, which would um, obviously provide a number of different um, protections for tenants who, who currently enjoy none. Um, we would remove uh, Section 8 exemptions uh, and all subsidized or government-owned housing, uh, except for um, those that are exempted by federal law. Um, and then we would uh, sync up the uh, sharing kitchen bath exemption uh, to match what state law requires right now. That's the overall view of uh, how, we how the committee uh, proposed to change the exemptions. Uh, Hannah is going to take the next three slides. Thank you, Matt. Um, yes, so in addition to uh, some proposed amendments to the exemption section of the rent ordinance, the committee also proposed a few changes to the current rent board registration system. Um, currently, the rent board can charge and collect registration fees, including penalties for late payments. However, the proposed language would also allow for the charging of fines for failure to re-register units within 15 days of a new tenancy. Um, it would also allow for rent collection from landlords only after full compliance with all registration requirements. And it basically would include additional protection 
of landlords having to provide notice of any claimed exemptions at the property or tenants rights under the rent ordinance. So these measures are intended to ensure not only that our database is accurate and regularly and timely updated, but that tenants themselves are more fully aware and understand their rights under the rent ordinance once and they are entering a lease agreement. Um, Amy, if you can go to the next slide. We, uh, the committee also proposed several amendments to the eviction control sections of the rent ordinance. The proposed language basically strengthens current notice requirements in two different ways. First, the landlord, um, they are now going to have to put notice of eviction defense resources on termination notices. So the eviction notices themselves are going to have a list of resources available for tenants. Um, and the second change to the notice is the amendment's going to reduce the time period in which the landlord um, has to file a copy of the eviction notice or the impending UD or the unlawful detainer um, lawsuit with the rent board. Um, as it stands, a landlord has 10 days to file a copy of the eviction notice and the resulting lawsuit with us. However, the proposed language would then reduce this time frame to no later than one business day. This change is intended to ensure that the rent board can make faster contact with the tenant um, with available resources rather than waiting um, 10 days to receive such notice. Um, and then in the eviction section, um, proposed language also strengthens different protections that a tenant has in terms of the reasons one can be evicted. So right now, the rent ordinance allows for eviction for unilaterally changed terms or um, of tenancy or failure to sign a new lease. Um, those portions will now be removed under this proposed language. And landlords also will not be able to move forward with a non-payment of rent eviction for small amounts of rent. So basically it's going to create a system where non-payment of rent evictions can only be used for rental debt that's over at least one month of fair market rate. And lastly, in the eviction section, the proposed amendments would ensure that a landlord um, or other tenant at the property have to act, um, experience substantial injury for a landlord to be able to evict under um, breach of lease. So that is a reason a landlord can evict a tenant is basically the tenant has breached the lease. However, this will ensure now that a tenant can't be evicted for minor breaches in their, in their lease that don't actually cause substantial injury to the landlord or other tenants at the property. So those are some of the, the big changes that have been made to the eviction section. Um, Amy, we can go to the next slide. Um, we also created, the committee created a, an additional section of the rent ordinance, and it um, basically creates a tenant's right to organize. This right would be enforced by the rent board as a housing service. This protects rights. It really creates the rights of tenants to form associations and discuss issues that matter to them in the property um, with the landlord in good faith. It will create leverage to bring the landlord to the bargaining table because the tenants now have a right to organize, which is defined as a housing service under the rent ordinance. So if a landlord refuses to bargain in good faith, the tenants association would then be able to file a petition with the rent board for a decrease in housing services. 
So that is uh, that I'm going to turn it over now to Ollie to go over some additional changes that the uh, committee has proposed. Okay, so um, good evening, commis uh, commissioners. Uh, we made some readability updates to the ordinance to modernize it and streamline it, make it a little easier to understand and follow for the folks who rely on it or are regulated by it. I think the most significant change we made is with the uh, organization of the exemption or applicability section. Uh, in, in the ordinance as it is, we we list out the 14 odd housing types or rental unit types, which have some level of um, uh, exemption from portions of the ordinance and then list out what portions of the ordinance they're exempt from, as opposed now we've defined the levels of exemption and then listed which units fall under that. And it uh, reads a little more smoothly um, in that way. We removed outdated language, uh, you know, this ordinance was, uh, enacted in 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 90, or became effective in 1980 was drafted in the 70s and then probably some some language wouldn't be uh, proposed in a new ordinance of this type so we we made sure that we uh, came current with the times on some of that um, some of that type of drafting uh, and then you know uh, along the same lines the finding section of the ordinance lists the housing conditions or the uh, housing conditions in Berkeley prior to the enactment of this ordinance that necessitated this ordinance. And uh, as these conditions have morphed but not abated, we wanted to make sure we we updated that and sort of um, gave recognition to some of the changes that have occurred since the enactment of this ordinance. Um, uh, and so one more point on these, uh, we'll call them readability updates that is more apparent in the paper copy, which you have just been handed of the most recent updates that uh, many more of the sections have sort of section headers that introduce the, you know, what the subsection of the ordinance talks about. That's uh, a feature of these more modern recent ordinances, such as those that the, the chair spoke about in the chair's update. Um, and so if I can ask the board secretary to advance to the final slide, please. Fantastic. And so then the last is uh, miscellaneous amendments, not to be mistaken with trivial or non-substantive amendments. Um, these are sort of important things throughout the ordinance that we wanted to update. Uh, for instance, the current update allows, excuse me, the current ordinance allows the board to go to city council and ask city council abolish rent control during periods of during a set period of a set level of vacancy. And um, we determined that was not a power that the, or the committee determined that was not a power that the, we want to give the board going forward. Um, germane to the discussion that the chair led, um, the, the state law which originated as being called SB 330, um, but has morphed, I believe, to whatever the most recent bill that came out is, um, allows a, a um, jurisdiction to replace a rent controlled unit with an actual rent controlled unit. So it'd be a newly constructed rent control unit is in effect kind of a, an exception to Costa Hawkins. Currently the city is not discussing adding that to the demolition ordinance, but in the, in the instance that it might, or that would change down the line, we wanted to make sure that the ordinance would accommodate uh, the regulation of such units because our definition of a newly constructed unit would not allow that um, as currently written. This was, um, uh, an ask of the the last time that the the board went to to propose amendments to the ordinance here, um, sort of germane to the inflation of the past few years, the the 
the committee expressed a concern that the maximum uh, the AGA would allow rents to rise in the current ordinance is 7%. We reduced that to 3%, which would place, uh, you know, our ordinance in line with, I believe, Oakland, San Francisco, and, and you know, most of those across the state. Um, and sort of a, a final point, you'll see in green in your packet, as well as in the, the handout that we had added, the ability of M measure MM or non-price control units to, to file habitability petitions. Uh, we We probably would not we we will advise not to bring that to the four by four as sort of the concerns as we continue to vet that proposal. Um, we, we continue to have concerns about that. So wanted to flag that um, at this point. And that's sort of a, a high level view of what we of what the legal staff has drafted with the direction or from the direction with the from the ad hoc committee. Um, was that based on research? Because that was not brought to the committee. Had you only at that only referred to recently? Yeah. Apologies, Sarah. It, yeah, we'll let the general counsel comment. We had this conversation with you at um, um, at one of the committees uh, about this particular provision. I, I, I'm the other committee members <laughs> didn't uh, recall you having certain things that you had already clarified. So, if there are any others that you're not supporting, I guess, yeah, I expected we would have received that at the. Um, we did. We had the conversation. Well, I'm sharing back that none of us got that impression. So we may be surprised if there are other ones like that throughout this presentation. Are there other ones like that? I didn't, I, I'm not aware. This is the only one that we uh, identified. Yeah, we didn't, that was not, we did not understand that at the committee, or at least the two of us did not. All right. Thank you. Is there more to the... Are you no, that, that's that's the end of the high level presentation. Okay. We're happy to field questions during the discussion. Great. So, um, the so anyway, this was um, there were two, and I don't know if um, Commissioner Johnson, if you're on there, I know Commissioner Kelly is um, not well today, but um, Commissioner Johnson. Is there anything you want to share from the committee? Um, I think just maybe like conceptually kind of how we approached it as committee members might be helpful. Um, I think what we really were looking to do is like, we I think we started from the premise that when we take our chance at this piece of legislation, it's going to be one of our only chances to do it probably for some degree of time. Um, so we were really wanting to try to put as much um, kind of oomph into it as we could and really try to like address as many of the concerns and challenges and issues and and dilemmas that people have been facing in our communities um, in this kind of go at it. And so I I, I think um, I would encourage a similar philosophy to the rest of the board, um, recognizing that we're also on a kind of a time crunch as well, because we need to have enough time in the event that we need to get signatures gathered to get it onto the ballot itself. We um, would need to start working pretty soon to um, sort of get through those efforts as well, too. So um, other than that, though, I think that's I think the legislation kind of stands for itself. We kind of had general consensus for everything that was proposed, um, but we didn't take an official vote because we weren't we we wanted to kind of like see the final text or see the text evolve a little bit more. Um, and that kind of that's that's what brings it to us before the board today. But I'm happy to answer any questions. Yep. 
Um, I have a question. I think this is maybe for the chair for legal staff, but um, so division, so 1376 is the rent control and eviction control ordinance. The rest of that division nine um, uh, is, you know, requirements in chapter 1377, 78, 79, and 84. Are those all also uh, voter initiated or are those uh, council initiated statutes? Um, I'm just I'm looking at the municipal code right now, but it's requirements, procedures, restrictions, and mitigations concerning withdrawal of residential rental accommodations per month or lease, which I think is Ellis Act stuff. Yeah, those are council adopted ordinances. Okay. Yeah. So I think um, I, I kind of didn't really realize this. I was looking at this now and didn't really realize how much of our other issues related to our agency are in these other chapters. And so I think, um, you know, because it's not initiated we can just go to the council and ask them to adopt it so it's a little bit of a different situation but definitely for the next um you know as we forward this along you know some of the same stuff uh that we did in terms of modernizing and adapting we'll probably want to do for those other chapters in that same uh division as well so maybe something for lira except that it's it's council that has to adopt its council right but we can recommend to council Does any does anyone else have things that they want to see changed or <laughs> I mean I'll, I'll just kind of make more general comments and um you know I I appreciate the work that the uh, ad hoc committee has has done to this and uh you know I I do support um a lot of uh, what is included in here but uh, I I do want to um express um I don't know if caution is the right word, but um, you know, as we know, we need um, this to be um, adopted by uh, to put this. There's two options: you either get council to approve it, or you go through uh, you know signature drive. And um, you know, I think it's great that we're going to you know hopefully um, be um, moving this to the four by four for their input. Um, I think that um, you know when it comes to what we think um, the voters will want to approve, I think the rent board tends to be a bit more optimistic than the the council. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I think we need to be aware that, um, and I know there's still a lot of baking that needs to be done, and a lot of outreach, and all of that, and you know, further amendments. Um, but you know, I, I think there are going to, you know, and I, I don't speak for the council, but based on historic actions. I do think that there may be some pushback to some of these um, proposals. And so, you know, it'd be really interesting to see what the four by four, um, what that discussion um, results in. But, um, you know, I, I think we need to be prepared for um, having to scale back some of the things or we can maybe do like a dual approach where we do things that, you know, everyone can agree on and get the council to uh, put in the ballot. And then maybe the more controversial things we could do a signature tribe. Um, you know, there's still a, a few months to get that all sorted out, but yeah, I just wanted to, um, you know, just flag that, that, um, you know, we are going to have to, you know, most, it most likely have to make some um, compromises on this. So just to be clear, I mean, I think that the, um, you know, last year we did, or was it two years ago now? Um, we were very, um, you know, it was very, we only went through a few changes and, um, the council not only didn't pass it, but it did it in a way that was pretty disrespectful. And so I think this year, the reason we spent so much time in really updating it is that we are going to go forward and get a, we're going to collect signatures. So, um, it's really not about, so we're not doing this 
to compromise because right now we have one of the weaker ordinances in the state. Um, and so we have to update it. I mean, this is we're okay, maybe Santa Monica came before it's unclear to me, but we're, you know, we're we're like the Mecca for the rent ordinance, and we're no longer have the strongest or the you know, we're we're not <laughs> we're losing our status as leaders. And so it just to be clear, and I'm saying this more publicly, that just we are gonna collect signatures for this. If they can do it in San Pablo and Delano, Berkeley can do it. And I think that the council has gotten used to assuming that they get to control these things. Um, and most of them aren't tenants, <laughs> you know, and the ones who voted against it aren't tenants. So I, you know, where we're a majority tenant town. So um you know, I, I think that there's room, you know, for compromise, but not on the things that uh, might be required to get um, those votes. And again, the polling shows people support these policies. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say I'm not at all interested in having two measures on the ballot. Um, like, I think that, you know, council has been unwilling to put good changes on the ballot or, well, for the past six years. So in 2018, 2020, and 2022, they were all attempts to get things on the ballot, and all of them went, I don't know, save my euphemisms. Um, but they were all not totally successful. Um, and, and so I think, you know, part of why also to add to what the chair said, part of why we went early this year, I mean, in the past, we've kind of waited until the last minute, which leaves the council as the only option. Um, but part of the reason that we're going early is you know, definitely, I mean, if council wants to engage on some substantive, like, you know, substantive, but tweaks, I'm, I'm totally open to that, right? If they want to change some of the things around the edges or or modify some things like that. But if if we're talking about losing significant provisions, especially, I mean, I think the one that's going to be the most controversial is golden duplexes. Um, and if council is interested in taking that out, then I think we can just say no, and we'll go to the voters. That, and, and, and there's no reason to have a second measure on the ballot. Um, that will also, you know, I, I think you should one one measure amending the rent control statute is plenty. Um, Chair Commissioner Mizell has his hand up. Please, Commissioner Mizell. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, I definitely want to express my thanks um, to the ad hoc committee, um, certainly to our legal staff. Um, I know this has certainly been a heavy lift, um, plus all the other work, of course. Um, and I think it's come together. Obviously, I know this is in some ways years in the making, but also I feel like this part of the process has gone pretty quickly. Um, and, um, you know, I just really want to state for the record. I mean, I saw four or five points just off the slides that would have personally helped and impacted me as a tenant in this city. And I know if we're able to enact these changes, um, it will have a significant impact and in, in supporting and helping and protecting tenants in our city. Um, you know, I, I think in terms of the changes, I'm, I'm fully in favor of them. Um, and I would say, you know, I, I think we've seen, you know, unfortunately in other realms in our city, um, what has happened when there have been at times compromises <laughs> that's more potentially necessary in terms of actually reaching voters and in terms of the issues that matter to voters, um, you know, we didn't have that, you know, there was no ability to do what we're doing here in terms of, for instance, police accountability in our city, um, where, you know, Berkeley was at one point a leader in police accountability, um, a leader in the entire nation on that issue. And then 50 years went by and we had a, you know, ultimately an ordinance that was 
um, completely out of date. Um, and then, you know, we passed a new one, which I was supportive of, and I'm glad we did, but, um, you know, it came short in, in multiple ways that, you know, I saw the impacts of, and I think we've seen the impacts of, and, you know, I think we have, frankly, a responsibility to bring the strongest version we can to the voters, um, the strongest version we can to the folks who will be most impacted by this policy. Um, you know, I look forward to hearing, um, you know, the comments of council at the four by four, um, but I am certainly in favor of going to the voters if we need to. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, this is just my personal opinion, but in terms of the question of whether it should be on the ballot, you know, I don't even think that's an honest question, right? I, th I think as elected members of this body who were elected, you know, by the citizens of Berkeley, um, the idea that we can't even place our own language on the ballot for voters to vote on, we have to approve it, doesn't make a lot of sense to me why we would have to do great compromise and, you know, ultimately protecting and strengthening the, you know, the whole purpose of this board and the ordinance is a bit beyond me, especially given the realities of the housing crisis that we are in. Um, and frankly, given the popularity of the proposals in the proposed ordinance. So I'm hopeful, I really am hopeful it will be tweaks and not picking out very important sections. But um, if it comes to that, I, I'm ready, um, you know, in my individual capacity to get, get signatures going because this is simply too important. Um, it's simply too vital and it should not be delayed for, you know, really any, any reason. So. Hey, thank you for all the work. And um, yeah, I mean, I have tons of questions, but I'll I'll save that for another time. Um, if people, I mean, I guess I'm a little reluctant to say ask for another time because we we are going to be moving this to the first four by four. So if folks um, have questions, I feel like they can't ask, but please um, make sure you're reaching out to either the general counsel or um, to myself because we are taking this very soon. Um, I do, I don't disagree that I'm sure it's, it's hard to just, um, you know, to look at it, but if folks want to talk to me about it, I guess I can talk to four of you. Is that three? I can talk to three of you. Um, so, you know, anyway, um, I think it's important that we all, you know, know this and if there may be, you know, additional things that may make it better and stronger. So just please reach out. Yeah. Um, one modification to the text, uh, not what I mentioned to you earlier on page 21 um, in the section, new section B about the hearings for partially covered units. It's uh, the language is outdated because it's referencing the previous sections around exemption. So starting with the letter. So from upon receipt of a petition by a tenant of a strike from unit through to 0500, and it should just read upon receipt of a petition by a tenant of a partially covered unit. Yeah, thank you, Vice Chair. I think that this is a good illustration that as we enact changes that in one section of the ordinance that affect other sections of the ordinance, yeah. we, we have several more reads that we need to do of this when we have a little more time to do so. But uh, I, you, you'll be happy to note, I caught that in another section. So Very good. yeah, one out of two, not bad. Very good. Any other suggestions or things people have caught or? questions in terms of, um, you know, the ideas behind some of the policy changes. Um, 
one thing I do like is the kind of adding more um, kind of section titles. Um, I think it makes it easier. So if if you want to add any more of those, you know, before the four by four. Um, the other thing is we um, just in terms of like how old this ordinance is, is that, you know, it's traditional that you have these findings and that, you know, the, the <laughs> they start in 1972. Um, and what's, you know, I appreciate staff adding um, the additional ones that kind of bring it back up to date. All right. Well, I just, I, I don't want to um, kind of make everybody sit here, but, you know, please reach out um, to either general counsel or to us, um, myself or the vice chair, um, so that we can, you know, if there are any additional changes before we get to the the four by four, because I'd like it to be as, um you know, complete by then, because we are running out of time. We're going to need to file um, soon to start collecting signatures if if that's the direction we, we go. All right. Uh, so, Chair, I'm sorry. I, they probably can't see me there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I did want to ask, and I mean, it does seem to be, you know, perhaps one section of some contention, you know, in terms of that measure MM, and I guess this is towards legal staff, um, yeah, I was not on the committee. I know I'm not up to speed, but just in terms of, you know, is it the type of is it the type of issue where it's a legal gray area and it's something that you know we we put forward towards the voters and you know you put in the severability section there and say, you know, we fully believe this is lawful and if it gets challenged, we we fight that battle, or you know, is, is there something more? <laughs> I mean, I guess you're probably not in a position to answer that right now, but, you know, yeah, my inclination is to, to put it all forward, but I, I just wanted to hear if there's any other thoughts on that. As we discussed with the committee and several uh, commissioners individual apart from the committee, um, we are concerned um, that that is subject to challenge. I don't want to go into it um, uh, in more detail, um, just as I didn't at the committee, uh, but I did discuss this. I'm I'm thinking that maybe the best order um, is that we that maybe a memo is drafted who we can discuss in closed session so that we can because I don't think any of us are interested in putting something forward that you <laughs> that you know our council say what you're saying so maybe that's the best thing so everyone can be on the same page is that seem appropriate whatever you wish well is that I mean is that an appropriate thing for closed session. Yeah, but if like you that. want to bring this to the four by four committee um, and you're saying it's not going to come before the board again, we'll have to schedule a special um, session for that. No, but as the chair of the four by four, I can change, I can pull it or not pull it. I mean, that section, what I, what I send to the four by four is my prerogative, right? No, no, you're the, the board is going to vote tonight on what they send. You're, Nobody else is able to say, I get to pull this individually. This is a board proposal, not an individual commissioner proposal. Um, but what I've put on the agenda for the four by four. And if you want to create a separate item to say that this is your proposal as, a port to the, as opposed to the board proposal, that's totally fine. Okay. You can say, this is the board proposal and this is my proposal as the chair. That's not a problem. Well, I, I think the point is, is that, well, there seems to be a disagreement in terms of the extent to which it was articulated that that thing. 
I don't know what to say. So I'm trying to just figure out the best way to do that because obviously we want more information and I'd like to see a memo that we can only see in closed session. Yeah. So we, oh, sorry. No, yeah, just so procedurally, um, what, do we have a date for the next 4 by 4 meeting? And when's the date of the next council, uh, the, ne the next Brent board meeting? So theoretically, we have a meeting of the rent board before the next meeting of the four by four. But when is it post? When do we have to post the agenda? I mean, for the four by four, it could be a two to be delivered. No, no way. <laughs> this is something we we want the the four council members to get. I mean, I want them to get this ASAP. Anyway, why don't we? We don't even have to. Like, let's just talk about that particular issue. I'd like if people have other comments or thoughts. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I, I was thinking because, you know, I also have some questions that I think are, you know, better in a closed session. Would it make sense to, um, in the motion, you know, send it to the 4 by 4 that it will be sent to the 4 by 4 after we do a closed session to, you know, resolve that? I, I'm just trying to think from a technical term, like, what's the best path forward for that? Yeah, I guess I was hoping to do a, a closed session where we would all hear that and then we could, I guess we can't make a decision in that. We can just get the information. Is that right? in terms of what we can do in a closed session. Yeah. So we could, um, we can do a special meeting, have a closed session, and then we can announce our action, right? We could, we have to structure it in such a way where we have an open session to, to discuss um, any modifications to the proposal um, so that the public has a chance to comment. Okay. I feel like the thing that Commissioner Simon Weisberg was trying to clarify earlier, and I probably I shouldn't be speaking for her, but like any one of us as commissioners on the four by four can add a specific agenda item to it to be discussed without it having necessarily gone with full board approval. So isn't it possible that what we could do is make a recommendation from this board for everything else other than that one item? And then independently from that, Commissioner Simon Weisberg can then just choose after we've done our closed session to add a separately and independently that last item, if after we've determined in closed session, it's still worthwhile to do so. If if I can jump in, I, yeah, Commissioner Johnson, I, I was thinking on a similar wavelength slightly differently. Um, uh, General Counsel, for the, the specific question or the specific section under question is just the paragraph on page 21. Yeah, because I want to make sure it's <clears throat> those sections, particularly the eviction one, that correspond with any outstanding notice issued on a Measure MM property that would affect a landlord's ability to initiate an action for unlawful detainer. Can you point me to a page number? 26. 26. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that. Because that's not what I thought you were objecting to in the yeah. presentation. So I think that'd be good for us to have like a all in one place. Because I, I mean, it may have been because we were so in the minutia and the committee, and this was um, a more general, you know, more kind of conceptual um, presentation that when we were saying that what you had 
what you're saying now seems in addition to what was said there, but under the same category. So I think it would be helpful to have, to get some like clear analysis and in detail so that we can um, make a decision. Yeah. So I'm going to make a motion if that's appropriate, that the board recommend the um, attached package to the four by four with the change that was made tonight and also give authority to the chair and legal staff to make, um, I don't know what the exact phrase is. Um, edits like the the non-substantive the kind of clarifying edits that were you know that the kind of edits that were in the direction we had discussed about adding section headings and things like that so clarifying non-substantive edits and that specifically the chair will have the authority to remove from the recommendation um, the changes proposed on page 26 and 21 on 21 the one that is b and on 26 b i i and i pending a uh, after a, a legal presentation at a closed session meeting. But I just have the clarification. So this this closed session, would, would the topic just be on those specific items or the um, the measure as a whole? Um, well, I think you were proposing just on, on those items, but were there more? Because I think just people can, um, I think, just talk to the general counsel specifically and you can get an advisory opinion, right? That we don't have to do. It's just, if we want to do it as a group. Okay. That's I, that, that's the, so, I mean, if um, I'm not opposed to there being more, the more discussions, I think it's just more, if we're making a motion to clarify what we can pass on to the four by four, um, that doesn't preclude your being able to ask more questions. It's just okay. precludes what we're saying for sure. I have authority to switch out or not. Now, um, we can still, I mean, we'll, I think we should be bringing back after it goes to the four by four to the board. Cause then we'll do like a final, like, and now this is what we're either putting on the, I mean, if I guess my expectation is that if we go to the four by four and they don't take what we're saying within, you know, whatever the, the four of us on the four by four mm. agree to, then, um, my expect my plan would be to have it come back to us to do a final like this is what the board wants to move forward, and that at that point it, our process ends right as an official board. Then somebody's going to have to file it and run a campaign and do all those things. But ours ends after it comes back. Is that I don't am I speaking out of turn? Is that right? The board can seek a sponsor. Okay. Um, to put um. Uh, forward um, any proposed amendments that it decides as a as a body. Um, th at that point, the level of involvement from the elected officials is extremely curtailed, particularly as it relates to your role as a commissioner. And we wrote a memo about that, and I can certainly make that more available to, to the committee that you all reviewed a couple of months ago, and I can make that available to the board too, assuming that you want to go forward in that direction. And I think just to be clear, like as human beings, we can go, um, but we can't particularly use, um, you know, we, we can't use legal staff to do that next stage. We can't, um, 
you know, I mean, staff aren't going to collect signature. You know, I mean, it's kind of um, so. But I think that so I think my expectation is that if you know the four by four is like this is awesome, yes, and it goes forward, it would go forward to council. Um, but if if not, then I think it comes back here for a final you know determination. Yeah, that does might. that help? Yeah, and I, yeah, I did have some um, legal questions uh, beyond those uh, two sections, but I'll go ahead and uh, send those questions to uh, general counsel, and we can figure it out from there. Great, and again, I mean, I I would um, just in terms of us shepherding it through the the four by four, it'll be helpful, you know, up up to the the people I can talk to um, for people to share their their thoughts, so that we can um, use that in terms of what is our, um, you know, how much can we be flexible in terms of what we're, we're trying to accomplish when we go to the four by four? I mean, I, I would love it to be easy peasy, but I think we, we just really need to make a lot of these changes. And I, I know, yeah, I do have confidence in the, um, the people of Berkeley. Um, I made a motion, but there was no second. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't know. I guess I normally don't second. Does somebody want to second um, the vice chair's motion? State the motion. Yeah. Um, so the motion is that the board will um, recommend to the four by four the placement on the ballot of a measure containing the provided or the, you know, the amendments that are presented here with the amendment that, has, you know, any amendments that I think I, I was the only one who made an amendment today. Uh, and also giving authority to the chair and legal counsel to make further amendments um, that are clarifying, basically, and all uh, with the intention of furthering the, the changes that have been proposed, and then specifically giving authority to the chair to remove from the set of recommended changes the changes on page 21 uh, B and on page 26 little B I I I and I I I. Uh, after a closed session meeting discussing them. Uh, Is there a reason why you're tying that to the chair if you're going to have a closed session followed by an open session? Because it's not going to be an actual... Because we can't take, we're, can't take action at that why meeting. Why not? I thought when we were proposing that, you were kind of making it so we couldn't. So maybe I misunderstood. No, what I was saying is, is I thought that this was the last time that this was going to come before this body before it goes up to the four by four. But if you're going to have a special session before January 18th, then we could have a meeting where you have a closed session. We discuss with you. We deliver a memo that talks to you about our concerns. And then you depart from the closed session and you have an open session to consider any other amendments of which this might be one. Would we be able to amend, would we be able to modify our recommendation to the four by four in that manner? If you do it, if you do, if you do it before, you know, far enough before the uh, four by four agenda needs to be um, posted. Absolutely. I guess, um, what I would ask of the the board is if, I mean, I guess what's hard is that if, um, 
and not all the commissioners have had an opportunity to have questions answered. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess I want to facilitate people getting their questions answered. I also am a little bit reluctant to have us do a full-on additional meeting to get that memo. I feel like, you know, can we receive the memo without having there be, um, and then each of us can talk to you or if whoever wants to. I'm just trying to, the thing is, it's like. Yeah, but a, we can't take action unless we have a meeting. Right, but that's the authority they're trying to give, that they're letting me to my discretion you know, and the two other people I'm, or three people I'm allowed to talk to. Yes. It, uh, the answer is yes, with a lot of different, you know, qualifications. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of difficult for me to go through all of the various ways in which we can't communicate. Um, but I can tell you that I can deliver a memo um, expressing what my concerns are. Um, I can, uh, take individual questions from people regarding those concerns. I just can't discuss them in an organized way outside of a meeting. No, I understand. It, it just seems like we are, we're all, um, you know, we're going into the break. Many of us, you know, are going away. You know, it, it's like we're, there's not a lot of time to call for another meeting. I know we also have a lot of folks that are sick. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, from the board are sick. Um, I'm just reluctant to do that. I'm just trying to figure out because, you know, clearly there was a misunderstanding and I was not clear that there was this level of concern. Um, so I feel like I'm trying to, to manage that situation because I don't think it's fair for people to try and decide whether they do it or not, not having it. And I don't think people should be asking for legal advice from the dais or being re or receiving it. So I don't know what else to propose except to let people to talk and then, you know, I mean, it's, I'm, yeah. How, how do you propose in that situation, just so that I understand better, how do you propose having a decision by the majority of the board that you can relay? Okay, so can I just to clarify something? I think there may be a path forward here. If tonight the board recommends this document, to the four by four. Um, and then it's on the four by four agenda. And then at the next regular meeting of the rent board, we have a closed session, discuss things and in an open session, uh, modify our previous recommendation to that board. Even if it is, even if the agenda is already published, we can include an updated version of that because it's been, the agenda has been noticed with that on it. So I think that there's no problem in. Say it again. I don't yeah. So what we'll do is, Tonight, we're forwarding this document saying the board is recommending the adoption of this document to the four by four. If after a closed session meeting and- no, my point is I'm trying to avoid another meeting between now and when we're doing the board because I think people, are, it's just like, I don't know how we're going to do that. No, no, it would be at the regular meeting of the rent board because the regular, the next regular meeting of the rent board is before the four by four. I know, but it's not. No, no baby, baby, we, we need, this is the thing. People haven't even read this and this is, and we're saying, please vote for it. We need the people on the four by four to read this. So it is not enough just to like show up at the meeting and no. say, do you want this? They're all going to say, it was so complicated. I can't no, I know. do it. What I'm saying is tonight mm -hmm. we recommend this document as it is to the four by four. And tomorrow it can be forwarded to the four by four packet. And they'll have all a month to read it. If subsequently at our next regular meeting of the rent board, 
we decide we want to tweak that, we can then send a follow-up, hey, we're amending it by removing this one section. I don't think that will be a problem for the members of this 4x4. And that way we can get the packet in front of them now. And then if we need to make a small change afterward because of this concern, we can make that change. And especially because if we do make that, it'll be removing content. I'm not concerned about that. If we were adding content right before the meeting, that would be a different thing. But because we'd be removing content, it, I don't think it will be as big an issue for process. And but what about the fact that maybe some commissioners have other legal questions they want to ask about, we don't know. And then they're not going, I don't, frankly, I don't want people abstaining because they feel like they need questions to be answered because then it'll be, you know, blah, 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 supported it. And so-and-so has abstained. How long has this been available in the packet? This version? Or no, well, this version is, is substantially very similar to the last one. But just, I mean, I think we have to take action tonight. I don't want to not take action tonight. If I may, um, Vice Chair, I, 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 it, I'm not sure if I totally understood your proposal, but I think what you said is that you would want to forward this entirely and that in the event that the board, after receiving communication from legal staff about what our concerns are, that you wanted to remove it, that you would just remove it, remove that section instead of not voting to adopt that section tonight and adding it. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I, I, it's not my favorite, but it's probably the cleanest. I guess the thing that I don't understand is, has the 4x4 always been required to have its proposals be approved by the entire rent board first before it goes there? I, I feel like that's never even been a requirement before. Generally, the way that it has worked in the past is that it, it the, the, the discussion initiates in the Lyra committee um, and then uh, they bring it to the full board um, because a committee is not able to pass anything um, and they bring it to the full board and the full board makes a decision. And then um, uh, that decision is to pass it up to the four by four committee. That's the way it has worked in all but one time, I think, since I've worked here. Can, can I make this um, suggestion? Um I guess this is the motion I'd like to make that um, that Commissioner Johnson and I, who are both on the four by four and are both tenant attorneys, um, be delegated the authority um, to decide what to do about these sections after having a conversation with general counsel to better understand and uh, a memo, ideally, um, and that um, people forward any other legal questions they have and that we request that the general counsel also do a memo response to those, which may, you know, not be controversial in any way, but that basically you're delegating to um, Commissioner Johnson and I to essentially make some some choices so we can keep the process moving um, and that people can get the legal advice that, you know, or advisories so they can make decisions on what they want to do. Okay. And I just wanted to understand. So, you know, our next regular meeting is on January 18th. The next 4x4 is on the 24th. 
So, so why why don't we think that that's enough time to make some amendments? I mean, the four by four would have seen this this version by then, and you know, hopefully, you know, they'll get the gist of it. And if there are edits, I think um, six days is enough notice. Um, I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. It's just that um, I want to move this as it is because I want them to start seeing it, and it's going to need to be. I think, I mean, maybe I'm I'm starting to miss where we're at. It's just that I guess I'm taken off guard that there's something that we're getting that our council put in their presentation that because I would not have just been like, let's just put it forward. So um, I'm trying to deal with that fact because I thought we were going to have this, you know, I, of course, in a dreamland had hoped everyone was going to look at it and tear it up and have your questions answered already. Um, so I was naive on that. And um, I was hoping that over the break, I was going to try and corner some of our electeds to make sure they understood it so that they we could have a chance of knowing whether um, we do it. So I guess, I, I mean, I just don't want to have to meet again as a full group, meaning staffed, meaning agenda. Um, you know, <laughs> our poor secretary has COVID and she is doing running this meeting um, you know, yeah. So there will be no extra meeting if we do it at the next gen regular meeting of the rent board, right? I mean, we're already meeting it at that time. I know, but it's gonna be the same thing. People will be getting their legal advice in a closed session at the meeting. And that's when the discussion will be happening. And then it'll be um, no, a few I, days between the- I think that we're saying the same thing, All right. basically, which is that let's just, I think- I yeah, I just okay. feel like that's fine for that one item. Like yeah. we, I, I feel like we do for the rest. Like we had ninety nine percent of it that I think there's consensus on. Yeah, and I feel like if we can at least pass that, then Leah and all of us can start working on talking to council members in the meantime with during the break, and then just at that next meeting specifically and exclusively address that one item. Right, and and to, I mean just to put that we don't have to give any extra. If the board is the one making an action tonight, and then at the next regular meeting, the board modifies it by removing something, we don't have to give any expert authority to do that. The board can already modify something that's previously sent to the floor. I think part of what's haunting me is the last time we went through this, um, we pulled different parts out of the ordinance because we thought it would be easier. And yeah. nobody on council, I think with the exception of the mayor and um, Harrison, ever processed the things we'd taken out and the entire conversation were about the things that we had taken out. And so I think that's why I'm reluctant to, I'm, that's what I'm nervous about is that it's like, I've, I'm, I don't want to have a repeat of that where I'm talking about things that we've already dealt with that we, we aren't even in there. Um, yeah. Um, chair or vice chair, can I just, just before the con the conversation continues, I just want to make a clarification on the timeline. Um, I want to make sure that people understand that the next board meeting, according to the schedule that you just adopted, would put our next regular meeting on the 18th of January. That's a Thursday. The very next day is the day is the deadline by which we would have to publish the four by four committee agenda packet. So that wouldn't really give anyone any time. I just want to make sure that that's that's been taken into consideration. You want to pass it already. So, okay, I'm going to make a motion. <laughs> okay, but the thing is, and I mean, this is all public, whatever, but yeah, and we're going to have a packet that has something in there that our attorneys have said on the record that they don't want to support. And 
That's all I'm going to end up talking with certain council members about for the rest of the entire eternity. It'll be the things that aren't even in it. So that's why I'm going to make another motion. We're taking it out at great annoyance to my, to me. We're just taking it out. And frankly, if we take it to the ballot. Maybe we'll just start writing it from scratch. Um, Let me take out just a different one. I don't know. I guess council, you take out what it is you think we can't have because you've already said it. It's kind of already done. Take it out. And that's the motion. We take it out. Are there other things that people want removed because of they think maybe it's not lawful? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I just, I am so frustrated. All right. Maybe, can we, can we take a five minute break? We, we should need to for the captioner anyway. 10 minutes for the captioner. 10 minutes for the captioner. Um, can you just tell me what you, not you, well, you can talk about it. It was not. Remember, it was a mixed up video. It was not. It was not. Okay, so, because I'm, I'm literally never even. Commissioners, just bear in mind, if you're talking at the dais, I can hear you. Thanks. Mine is on. Oh, mine is on.
All right, we are ending our um, coming back to start the meeting. And I believe we have a motion. Yeah, so I will move that the board recommend the adoption of the provided legislation as a ballot measure, but the board recommend the four by for the council adopt the provided legislation as a ballot measure and send it to the four by four with the amendments. The one amendment that has been made already um, that I well, actually it doesn't matter. Because uh, that part is being struck in. So, but but striking uh, on page twenty one, paragraph B that starts with petitions for units exempt, and then on page twenty six, paragraphs B, I, or B, and then Roman numerals one, two, and three, and then uh, and authorizing the chair and legal counsel to make amendments that for the purposes of that have, that have been recommended or for clarifying. Okay, so you just mean like adding a typo or dot to, yeah. Yeah. That's my motion. My sir, do you mind? I'm, I'm sorry, I was writing as fast as I could to try and get that down, but I didn't catch it all. Could you just restate that? Please? Yeah, I, I know it's okay. I talked I talk too fast. Um, so that the board recommend that the council place the legislation on the ballot as a ballot measure and that we forward it to the four by four for consideration. With the amendment that I stated about, do you need me to restate which sections are being removed? It, that would be helpful, yes. On page 21, paragraph B, that begins petitions for units exempt, that paragraph. Mm -hmm. And then on page 26, paragraphs B and Roman numerals I, or 1, 2, and 3, from there shall not be grounds through to and safety codes have been remedied, are stricken. And then also... Um, authorizing the chair and legal staff to make further amendments that are clarifying. And th by that, I mean adding section headings and kind of tweaks. Okay. So just descriptively, that's just cutting out the last section that we were talking about before, basically. Yes. Excuse me. Um, Commissioner Johnson, if you're speaking, we can't hear you. I think that solely clarified my question already, I think. So I think we're good. Um, any other questions, folks? Oh, can we get a second? Oh, Commissioner Mizell has his hand raised. Yeah, very briefly, and you know, I'll I guess read this over email. I I feel like much of this would have been avoided if the presentations came to commissioners beforehand. And again, it's not a thing about legal staff. This is a general thing in terms of all presentations as they come to the board. I know I've asked about that in the past and usually there isn't a big consequence because the text will match up. And this time there was a big issue because it didn't, um, or at least in terms of how it was explained was different. So, 
yeah, I'm just raising that point. Maybe we'll make that a formal policy. Like, you know, I feel like I got to have the presentation at least an hour beforehand and not seeing it at the same first time, right at the very time we're going to consider the item. Um, again, it's not a slight legal staff at all. That's just a general thing I think needs to change. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't, I still haven't seen the actual version that is being discussed right now, which is another pretty big problem to me. Um, again, I realize those changes probably came in perhaps even today. Um, but I, I don't think they were sent to me over email. Um, again, if I'm wrong, please, please correct the record on that. But um, yeah, I just things in the future, I think we really need to change. Um, and, you know, if it needs to be a policy, I'll, I'll bring that forward separately. But um, yeah, if, is it the motion already been seconded? No, not yet. I'll, I'll second. Um, yeah, that, that was my fault that there was a delay because I, we gave additional feedback. Um, and then I asked that everyone get a paper copy and I was not aware how many of us would not be present. So I wasn't thinking about ensuring that everyone could have equal access. So I, I apologize. That's, that's on me. But, but um, this language is actually in the packet that Commissioner Mizell has. The that language was, that, that, that the motion, am I wrong about that? Yes. Yes. This language, the vice chair made a motion to strike is in Commissioner Mizell's packet. Right. Yes. The version we were all handed out, we were handed out a paper version. So if you're on line you don't feel like you know you're it's harder to keep track and why don't we just cite the exact section so that you can follow along but there's other changes there are a few minor changes that i sent to ollie like yesterday or the day before that are in this version that are not in the packet they're not ones being discussed and they're not major okay yeah but but i think it's more the when i was thinking about trying to set up this meeting it was more about us being here and everyone having a tangible um, document. So, um, anyway, it'll, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. Commissioner Mizell will be more, I think we just have to assume in this day and age that we're always going to have somebody with COVID, somebody, um, with something. And so to, to be thinking about, you know, trying to always be hybrid. So I, I apologize that cause I can imagine that was frustrating. All right. So there's a motion on the floor. Chair, just let me know if you want any more discussion or when I should take a roll call. Uh, let's do a roll call unless anyone has any clarifying questions or friendly amendments. I'll just clarify the record that, yes, the language is in um, the version I'm seeing. It's more the, the headers and the small changes and my concerns about the page numbers possibly being different. That's all. Yeah, no, it's it's fair. We we appreciate the, the feedback. And um, yeah, those are that's on me, not the legal staff. So, um, are we good, Commissioner Mizell? I mean, in, in terms of, I just don't want to cut you off. Yes. Okay, great. All right, we're going to move to uh, roll call vote, unless anyone else has a clarifying question or an amendment. Seeing none. Okay. Um, Alpert. Hi. Elkstrand. Yes. Johnson. Yes. Uh, Martinak. Yes. Mizell. Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries 7002. Great. All right. We are heading the home front, home stretch. Um, 
Okay, we are on to informational announcements and articles. Um, so the first thing is the eviction moratorium update. Um, do we have any staff or has everyone gone to sleep? Yeah, Nathan, are you online? Oh, you are. There you are. Thank you. Do you want to give us uh, the eviction moratorium update? You were going to say no one's been evicted and everything's on Kidori. Uh, I wish I could, but um, I'm here to give you a brief presentation just on the total numbers that we have related to evictions at the moment. Um, and good evening, commissioners. I'm Nathan Dahl, the manager of the public information unit. So as of September 1st, when the eviction moratorium ended, we have received copies of 318 total notices at the rent board. Um, since September 1st, 26 of those have been unlawful detainers. And prior to the eviction moratorium ending during the transition period, we received a total of five unlawful detainers. So we, we've had 31 unlawful detainer complaints, copies of those notices submitted to the rent board. And I know the, the commission's been interested in um, numbers that EDC and EBCLC have been representing. So this update is primarily going to focus on those. So like I said, 26 UDs since September 1st. Um, EBCLC has informed us they've been working with 22 clients from Berkeley. I didn't get the exact breakdown of those who have received notices that, that the rent board received copies of versus others, but at our next meeting in, in January, we'll have a more detailed report there about EDC or EBCLC's representation. Um, EDC, since the last meeting on November 13th, I believe it was, the last meeting they had informed the board that they had represented 13 of 24 unlawful detainer complaint tenants. Um, the 24 notices that we had received, 13 of those folks um, were being represented by EDC. And since then, so since November 13th, they've added an additional six clients um, and four, an additional four on top of that. So a total of 10, but six clients where the rent board had received, received notices, copies of the notices, and another four where those tenants had not received a notice. Um, so at the next meeting, like I said, in January, um, we'll have a more detailed report from EBCLC, but as I understand it, and please, you know, any feedback is welcome. The board is interested in seeing which of the, of the total 318 notices that we've received, and that's three-day notices, 10-day notices, 30-day notices, notices to cure, quit, et cetera, um, particularly which of those cases have elevated to unlaw unlawful detainer complaint. Um, and then a further breakdown just of, of exactly the total numbers that EBCLC and EDC are representing. Um, so happy to continue working on that and, and getting that information as we can from our partners. But if there's any uh, further requests or ways we can denote the, the data um, for the board and the community, uh, please let me know. Um, I just had a question on, um, were you able to follow up at all um, or, and figure out how there's any context to the fact that um, that we'd never gotten served the notices on some of those um, evictions? Right. So if, if a landlord is performing an, an eviction in Berkeley, um, there's certain requirements under our ordinance that they have to meet in order to have a, 
legal standing in court. Um, and if they don't follow those those procedures, such as submitting a copy to the rent board, including the tenant protection ordinance, right, in their notice, that can be a legal defense in court. But if a landlord doesn't serve the rent board with a copy of the notice, we just don't know the total number of those cases in, in Berkeley. Um, and I'm not sure how we, we would try to ascertain that information, but we are getting some feedback and getting some numbers from EDC and EBCLC of, of tenants they are representing um, where they have cross-examined our record of notices in, that we've received and realizing um, that their clients have not received or that their clients are in units that have been served eviction notices without copies being sent to the rent board. So I imagine that factors in pretty heavily to their legal defense. But in terms of trying to figure out those in the those addresses or those landlords in the community who have proceeded with an eviction without serving the rent board, I'm just not sure how how we would do that. Right. I guess, well, um, one thing you can do is um, get the addresses from the court for any of the evictions in Berkeley that have been filed and then compare them with the notices we have. Um, I, I guess I was more like, are we able to explore, um, like, did they, did the landlords claim that they did serve it? It got lost in the mail. Like, I mean, you know, just these, I mean, I guess you don't want to call them up because then they'll, I mean, if they're using it as a defense, but I, I guess I'm just curious if it's like, I mean, it's kind of, it's like half the number of people that they were representing didn't get served notices. And, and the other thing is, do we like give them a, a letter that says we have received, we've reviewed what we've received and, you know, we didn't receive one or how does that work? Like, what do they take to the court to show evidence that the landlord didn't comply? Well, um, I think I suppose it depends on the case and what the material facts are there. But, you know, the role of, of our unit in the PIU is to inform landlords and tenants about the process, um, refer them to references and resources that might be able to help them in the legal process, and then to record the data and the notices in our files. But we don't, we really don't get involved in the, the legal case itself. Um, and we we haven't, at least in my time here at the rent board, reviewed uh, cases that go to court in totality and cross-examined if tenants there um, that are on the docket, I suppose, if those addresses match or don't match the list of addresses where we have received copies of those notices. So um, that isn't current our current part of our, our process. And I, I would you know, point to, and I see Hannah's hand up there, but maybe some input from our legal counsel about uh, the difference between the role of PIU and what we do and, and maybe the extent that their unit goes through. So if I can turn it over to Hannah. Yeah, thank you, Nate. I just wanted to add that we do sign declarations, Nate, and I know that you signed a few. Sometimes we do have tenants or tenants council reach out to us to ask us to review our record, and we are able to um, provide a declaration that says rent board staff has review, reviewed the property file. We do or do not have a notice or summons and complaint on file. So um, that would be something that um, a tenant or tenant's attorney could decide to use in, in court. Great. Um, yeah, and just the city of Oakland um, going on six years ago, they asked for all the addresses 
um, from the court. And I think they, I don't know if they've done it recently, but that is something we can do. I feel like we've done it in the past as well, because I feel like I remember doing a records request um, to the city of Berkeley and getting, getting like kind of what you'd gotten from the court. Um, but I may be confusing um, Berkeley and Oakland. Um, okay. Uh, any questions about um, the evictions? I, I can report that the numbers were quite low um, this week, um, matching what we had been, what had been represented to us, that then the numbers that they were going to be lowering them to. So let's keep our fingers crossed that the court's keeping things under control um, in the new year. All right, and if there's no questions, we'll move on to just reminding folks, um, date to submit topics, items for January's regular REM board meeting. Um, I guess this will be announced after we adopt. Um, oh, you, you, yeah. you did adopt. So sorry, because you earlier adopted your schedule. Um, sure. The deadline for the first meeting in January is coming up pretty fast. It's the first Friday in January, the 5th, um, January 5th by 5 p.m. And that's it's bumped up a day earlier because there's the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday um, that will hit right around uh, publication time. So that's all. Great. And yeah, there are two Mondays in a row that the um, city is closed. Uh, okay, we're moving on to committee meetings. Um, so, well, budget and personnel. I mean, it's folks know we um, are going to be rescheduled. Well, what am I saying? You're the chair. You're the committee chair for right. here at the last meeting. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, you spent, you the, the commissioner's lost a lot of her voice. Do you want me to just do it? Okay. Um, so we, you know, met, um, did review the um, evaluation, and we had been scheduled to um, uh, go into closed session tonight. Um, however, that's going to be... Um, scheduled for uh, rescheduled because we we don't we don't have enough of our um folks people are sick and uh, many have had to uh participate um through zoom and it's just not a great setting for you know how you know for staff evaluation so we'll be rescheduling that but the um yeah budget and personnel has been very busy you know moving that process along uh environmental sustainability committee Commissioner Martinek? Uh, we, we have not met. Uh, our next meeting is in January. Like I reported last time. So. All right. Uh, eviction Section 8 Foreclosure Committee? Yeah, we, we haven't. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think we met um, since the last meeting, but we will meet in January. Great. And Outreach Committee? Likewise, we have not met this month. We will be meeting next month. Great. And um, four by four. Uh, we are meeting January 24th. Um, I believe, you know, the the main thing that we're going to be doing is the um, our ballot measure. Um, we may be reviewing um, if there's any kind of update in terms of the demolition process. Um, I am going to be sharing the memo that um, uh, that Leaf prepared for us today um, at the the four by four. I think it's helpful for people to see because I don't think anyone else is really capturing how many units we're we're losing. Um, yeah, if there's other things folks feel we should be bringing up to council, um, please let us know. 
Um, I'm going to do the two by two because Commissioner Moreno uh, was not here. Um, what's very exciting, we finally had our uh, two by two committee hearing, I mean, meeting um, with uh, the rent program and the Berkeley Unified School District directors and uh, lots of exciting stuff. We are going to be having um, they, someone from the um, family engagement uh, committee to talk about what, how are ways that we can um, best ensure that families are hearing about our um, our services. And then the other project kind of for the year is to look at how maybe we can provide training to graduating seniors so that when they go off into the world, they, they know their, their tenant rights. Um, I think those are the two main highlights. Um, all right, our ad hoc committee. Um, I guess do we even need to? Are we? Do it, does it need to? I don't think it exists. It needs to exist anymore. Do we need to take uh, a vote to close disband it? You don't need to take a vote. Um, you can disband it on your own, um, but you might want to keep it around just until something has. I mean, okay. because in the event that. You go to four by four and then decide to do his signature gathering. You might want to meet again to discuss the mechanics of that. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Commissioner Johnson, you were actually the chair of that committee. Did you want to say anything? No, I think that was it. I think everyone knows what we worked on. So <laughs> great. All right. Um, updates and announcements. All right. Um, discussion of items for possible placement on future agenda. Hearing none. Oh, uh, chair. I'm yeah. sorry. The secretary just this might be since it's not agendized. This might be a good time to mention what you had alluded to earlier about the normal announcement you make about committees. Folks sending you their committee assignments. Oh, yes. So, um, if people could <laughs> let me know by January 15th. Um, if you want to be on any different committees, because otherwise I'm just going to keep the committees the same. Um, so please let me know if if anybody wants to change. Um, the other thing is, is that the I just want to make sure that the. Um, oh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we'd already made the environmental sustainability. It's not an ad hoc. It's a committee. So cool. All right. Well, yeah, um, let me know if anyone. Um, if there is changes people want to make on their committees, and then also if there is some ad hoc committee that people feel like they need, um, let me know. Thank you, Amy, for reminding me. And sure. um, anything else, folks? All right. Can I? Are we ready to adjourn? Anybody want to make a motion? So moved. No second. 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 Thank you. Uh, can we take a roll call vote, please? Albert. Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries. Great. Thanks, everyone. Kidding. <laughs>